1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello,
0: and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Chris, what's going down today?
1: I'm not doing too well, Herbie. Um, I was hoping you could help me with something here. I've got a bit of a problem here. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I... I'm kind of hesitant to bring this to you here, um, especially on short notice. You, I haven't given you much time to uh, prepare for this yourself, but I've got an issue here. Uh, are you down to help me out with this issue real quick? Yes, I am. Um, yes. Thank you. That's why you're a great friend. Um, I'm looking at the virtual manager uh, availabilities for all of baseball this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the teams, they get their managers in front of a Zoom chat and and the national media... Local media, they can all assemble and they can talk to the manager of said team. Uh, I've got the schedule right here in front of me. They run all week. It doesn't look like they have any particular uh, grouping here. It's not like, you know, divisions. It's kind of just all over the place. So maybe I'm just missing it here. Uh, Monday, I can't find Tony LaRusse's name anywhere on here. On Monday, Brandon Hyde, Joe Girardi, Tori Lavulo, Terry Francona, David Bell, and Dusty Baker all speak. Tony LaRusse's name not there. Uh, Tuesday, Boone, Martinez, Baldelli, Shelton, Woodward, and Kapler speak. Don't don't see Tony's name there. Wednesday, Kevin Cash, Luis Rojas, A.J. Hinch. Oh, A.J. Hinch. I remember that guy. Uh, David Ross, Scott Service, and Bud Black on Wednesday – Still don't see Tony. It's fine. We got two days left here uh, for Tony to meet the assembled media. Uh, Thursday, Alex Cora, Don Mattingly, Mike Matheny, Craig Council, Bob Melvin, Dave Roberts. No Tony there. Uh, mm-hmm. Friday, Charlie Montoyo, Brian Snicker, Mike Schult, uh Joe Madden, and Jay Stingler. Uh, mm. Wait, that's. so. No, thank you. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, hang on, I'm having a tr- trouble here scrolling because um, there's got to be more. I don't see Tony LaRe's name on here uh, meeting the media. Uh, yeah, there's no page two to this. Why can't I find Tony LaRoe's name here on the virtual manager meetings for this week, herb?
0: Because he's a Hall of Fame baseball person?
1: True. Maybe I just thought.
0: Calm don't... down, dude. He doesn't need to do that. Those are for peasants. Wait a minute. Well they the rest of those guys Hall of Famers? No. It's didn't true. think so. It's true.
1: true. Um, yeah. Um, all the other teams have their manager, but why not the White Sox? Hmm?
0: Maybe ESPN's <laughs> running that account. Good, 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 I don't get it. Uh, goodness gracious. But, yeah, uh, so
1: apparently uh, Tony La Russa, is, uh, he, he's, he's, that is just embarrassing that they don't want to put Tony La Russa on a Zoom chat. I know he's, he's got the pending legal issues, and James mm-hmm. Fegan reported today that he will likely not spend uh, any time in prison, which really breaks my heart, because, uh, again, I said my, my dying wish, I even mean, though I'm not dying, but we all are, is uh, to see the White Sox manager, <laughs> Uh, lured away in handcuffs and then do the perp, perp walk in and out of jail and do the Max Katie Cape Fear thing, leaving whatever prison he would be spending time in. But Tony La Russa, not going to face any jail time. He's probably going to you know, make some type of plea. But either way, uh, not going to meet the assembled media. This is just another embarrassment, yeah. and we knew this was coming. But just seeing it here in print, I think it causes more uh, – of a rift, I think, than, than putting him in front of some cameras. You know, you you let Scott Merkin ask the question, and then just be done with it. You, or mm-hmm. you, make, you make a statement, let Merkin ask a follow-up, and then you're done with it. It's over. But instead, now, Tony La Russa is the, the lone name missing here off of this list. And maybe he'll pop up, maybe they'll come to their senses, but just to not have your manager in his first year with a team that's expected to make a deep postseason run, not meet the media, is pretty embarrassing in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I was tweeting earlier this week that he hasn't shown up on either of the sports talk stations at Chicago to just do a one-on-one. If he, I don't know if there's a place that's safe for him. You know, you get a guy that's going to ask all the right questions type of thing. But it's an embarrassment that you don't want to have your guy, especially now that ESPN 1000 is the new flagship for White Sox radio, to get out there. If you're so damn proud about this hire, get him out there. Let him talk to the masses. So I, see yeah it just continues with this you don't have to rationalize good hires good acquisitions White Sox have been spending all offseason and their fans rationalizing Tony Laruse and rationalizing Adam Eaton it just it's just a backwards way of thinking and I, I they just can't get out of their own goddamn way when the success is right in front of them
1: yeah, well, we'll just move on here quickly. But usually the White Sox, you know, marketing, their PR team, they're, they're pretty smart. We know those people personally. They're good people. They're smart people. They're all the best people. Um, but, um, when you know, they usually do a good job of covering up the, for the mistakes of their bosses, Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, um, So, but this, I think, is a little bit of a misstep, you know, and it's probably not even their call. You know, I think any logical person would be like, all right, let's just get it over with. And I know you have a pending legal matter, blah, blah, blah. But that just gives you cover where you don't have to answer any real questions. Just get it over with and say, "Uh, it's a pending legal matter. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be making a statement after that is completed. And that's it. And then you move on and you talk about your baseball team. But no, 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 not the White Sox and not Tony Larusa, and uh, we'll see where this goes as a story if people talk about him being the only guy absent from the uh, from the Zoom calls. Uh, but before we get the bag open here, Herbie, it is episode number eighty-eight. We it's been a while uh, since Dylan C, since Dylon, since we had a, a player number episode, but we are episode eighty-eight today. Herbie could only be one man,
0: Mister Luis Roba.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about Lou Bob here. Uh, later on in the episode, uh, when the topic of untouchable players comes up, but yeah, uh, Luis Robert, uh, the episode named after him today, the the great rookie season for the White Sox, and hopefully next year he changes it up a bit and, and gets a hit in September. I think that would be good for his career. Um, and we, we, we clown the man a lot uh, for his September showing, but man, just every once in a while, I will think about that home run he hit. In that in that tiebreaker game, like I thought, I was like, "Oh my God, here we go!" <laughs> Luis Robert getting a home run, going deep, deep, deep. One of the the deepest balls hit all year. You know, tossing the bat. I was like, "This is going to be." A White Sox moment to remember forever and yeah you may remember it but ultimately ended up not mattering as much but don't forget that Luis Robert finished the season strong and and got a ridiculous home run off in an elimination game for the White Sox their first ever elimination game in franchise history in well over 100 years so good let's all just sit here and have some good thoughts about Luis Robert around the Yule log shall we? Maybe no more exciting young player in the big leagues than Luis Robert he is not a finished product he drills one to left field and taught is the bat aside my goodness where will it land way up and out of here a titanic home run from the rookie luis robert the white Sox have a one nothing lead are we ready to open the bag let's do it a lot of emails we're going to try to get to some there's another email i love email, email. email. and we love email too hawkeroo we love your emails how can they, the Locked on White Sox listener, get us, the Locked on White Sox podcast, an email for us to read on said podcast? Send it to
0: socks at gmail.com. See how that works? socks at gmail.com. Questions, comments, whatever. If you just want to give a good story, which we are going to be uh, promoting, as you heard in the My- Mailbag Monday edition, that we're going to be promoting your, uh, your autograph stories of White Sox uh, players, uh, not necessarily at a trade show or anything like that, but your first autograph story, we want that next week for Mailbag Monday. Talk to us Tuesday.
1: Please. Absolutely. Leading off today, uh Sam Hinsdale... But here he nice. goes. Here he goes again, saying he's a longtime listener. We know who you are, Sam. You're, you're one of our favorite people. And my question is: I was thinking, given Jerry Reinsdorf might be frugal with big contracts and the managerial hire of Tony La Russa being a turnoff factor in free agency, I might have interesting. I might have an interesting idea to address our need at right field slash starting pitching via international free agency in the KBO Nippon leagues of of South Korea and Japan, respectively. Uh, we got a guy here. Hasong Kim is a shortstop or Tomoyuki Sugano is a right handed pitcher, he would help our free agency needs handily. But I think given the past history of big contracts crossing the pond, we could actually land both for under $100 million split between the two of them. By the way, ha Kim traditionally plays shortstop, but given how good he is, I think the talent works itself out and fills an immediate fit. Uh, anyways, what are your guys' thoughts on these two Pacific Rim acquisitions here, Herbie? I know we didn't see these guys play really, but when I look at this, I look at mostly the money. Uh, that Sam has committed just anecdotally off of this. And if I'm the White mm-hmm. Sox, I already don't like it.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a lot of money. Um, if they're re- really big ticket items and the White Sox were just that player away, I think they would do it. But I don't think – I've never heard of these guys. And maybe just ignorant in my uh, ignorance on my part, but I've never heard of these guys. i got to trust you on this, Sam Fansdale, that if you think they're good and you think it would make a difference – I'm good for it, but, yeah, like Tanny said, the money part. Oof, friends, $100, $100 million. $100 million they're between they're, the two of them. Spending, yeah, they're barely spending that on the regular uh, lineup right
1: now. Yeah, so you're probably talking about, like, two contracts, you know, a uh, five-year contract for $10 million apiece each year. Like, that's too much. Like, they just gave Adam Engel $7 million, and you're trying to get some bullpen help. Now, I will say this, though. Just from a tactical standpoint – Having a pitcher come over from, I think uh, he said Sugano was from Japan. I have not seen him pitch at all, but um, having a guy like that that literally no one in baseball has seen, unless it's someone who's had you know experience in Japan, which is not a lot of guys in baseball now uh, that have played over there and then come back here. Uh, but having a guy like that who no one has seen, uh, I think there's a bit of an advantage to that. We certainly saw Tadahito Iguchi have a great year in 2005, his first year coming over from a hitting perspective. Because, you know, there's still feeling out process around the league and, you know, there's there's no real, you know, you have video on a guy, but you don't have in-depth major league scouting on a guy. So I do like that idea of, of a pitcher coming in and being thrown into a championship mix because you need guys to have a career year when you're trying to win a World Series. And you need guys to take you by surprise a little bit. And, and, you know, I think that would be a good opportunity if the money's right. But I don't think just strictly from a financial perspective, I don't know if that works for the White Sox this year, again, I'll preface, I'll just cap it by saying this: they all have the money to sign all of these people, <laughs> yes. but they're but it's called collusion, and they're not going to <laughs> they're not going to you know spend like they should be spending. Uh, could be wrong. It's only December fifteenth uh, today. Uh, could be wrong. You know, we'll wait and see what happens after the holidays. Sometimes you know, Trevor Bauer still hasn't signed yet. So we have to hold everyone to that standard, you know. They haven't broken for spring training yet, but I, I think this is going to be about it for the White Sox. I think they'll, you know, uh, add one more bullpen piece, uh, but I, I don't think them taking a chance on an unknown commodity uh, for for a guy in Korea or Japan is something that uh, you know the White Sox track record has not been conducive to doing that in the past. You know, you have to go back to Iguchi, uh, Shingo, a couple of years before that, and ultimately these guys don't have. Uh, you know, super long, great careers. Like, but you can get them to come over and, and have a good year, uh, and take you know the league by storm for a year or two. Uh, aside from Tanaka, who's had a pretty solid career, um, but yeah, I don't think this is the White Sox mo to take a chance on a guy, especially committing the dollars. If this were any other year, maybe. But I think this year they're going to go after guys who they already know, known commodities, which which I like. But yeah, I don't I don't see that working, Sam. But uh, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see someone like that come over to the White Sox and and all of a sudden have a, a career year and be a Rookie of the Year candidate out of nowhere. That'd be great. Uh, but moving on here, uh, this one coming from Andrew, um, you know, talking about other guys maybe to to play DH and and help out at a number of positions. Andrew says, "What about Derek Dietrich? Uh, he could provide depth at a number of positions as well as help out a DH until Vaughn is ready to rake. Also, do you guys think it's possible that not coming committing long term to a right fielder could indicate other long term plans, like maybe Oscar Colas?" Thanks, guys, and keep it up. That's Andrew. Uh, so, Herb, just you know, uh, backtracking a little bit. So, Derek Dietrich, what do you think about him as a guy uh, who can sort of uh, play all over the place for the White Sox in twenty twenty one? Whew.
0: Um to sign him fine, but to have him on the team just so you can gain the year on Andrew Vaughn, hell no.
1: Let, here, let's Andrew let's Vaughn... go over his numbers. Let's Derek Dietrich last year in twenty twenty. Uh it was he was a point two uh baseball reference war player, just sixty-one at bats, twelve hits, five homers, hit only one ninety-seven. On base though, three forty-seven, uh, eight RBI, one stolen base, uh OPS plus of one eighteen. Um yeah, so yeah,
0: and he got released by the Reds, and I think he uh, granted it was released from the Cubs. He signed with both of those teams and didn't make the team. Then eventually signed with Texas and got those games in.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't I don't love it. Um, I like guys that can play all over, and certainly he's a he's a nice little player. You know, um, let's see, looking at his best year, his best on base year. 374 that was 2016 with the Marlins. So, you know, this is not a high ceiling type of guy, but certainly guys like this can help your ball club uh, in a, in a in a pinch, but you basically you already have Leury Garcia for that. You know, a guy that can play infield, outfield, and you know, Leori's already slotted in in that position. It's great to have depth, but I think, you know, guys like this, I think that spot on the roster is already taken by Leury. What about the Oscar Colas thing? I know we haven't talked about him a lot on the podcast, but it was rumored the Sox were linked to him. Uh, when the uh, international free agency period began, but uh, I-, I would see no reason why they wouldn't be all in on this guy. Um, another Cuban guy, you know, to-, to fit in the mix with Abreu, Moncada, Louis Robert. You know, I, I think this makes sense. This seems like a guy the White Sox would be would be going after, a left-handed stick. You know, Maybe you have to talk to James Fox about uh, Oscar Colas, but yeah, I think that's possible. I think the one-year deal to Eaton is, is a bit telling, don't you think, that they've got uh, big-picture plans and they would love to have young stars uh, slotted in at, at all the at all the, the positions uh, with, with team-friendly contracts for the next five years. So that's why the Adam Eaton thing may be just a one-year deal.
0: Yeah, and that'll be great. Um, yeah, anytime you can get uh, any type of Cuban talent, and this guy looks dynamic out there, uh, outfielder. I think he played in the Japanese league last couple of years, so he's getting a little more seasoning. You know, when Jose Abreu came over here from Cuba, they said the league that he was playing in and dominating was equivalent to like Double A in the United States, and I've heard that the Japanese league is like Triple A to the United States. That's why you see a lot of Japanese players, they post and then they're coming right to the major league, uh, roster, uh, unlike some other, uh, countries, you know, the Japanese player, when they do post, they usually do come on the major league roster. So anytime you can get a guy that's coming from Japanese league and is Cuban. It's a once in a lifetime type of thing. And if they can find a way to sign this guy, you know, you have to ask James and our guy, Mike Rankin, a little bit more extensive, uh, 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 analysis on this player, yeah. or you can uh, ask uh Aaron uh, Layton on the lockdown and we'll be prospects, which by the way, you should check out their latest one or the one over the weekend to talk to Andrew. Delquist. So, uh, I don't know enough about Mr. Collis, but sounds like a good player,
1: yeah. I worry about those guys who pitcher and hitter, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think in, in Major League Baseball, it should be one or the other. You saw Otani with with all the arm issues and you know I, I always worry about that like I think the modern athlete like although a better athlete than than that those athletes of back in the day but I like my guys to have one job I think there's so much that they have to deal with especially this year with the the the, the closing out of the pandemic and everything that comes with coming to to major league baseball as a, as a first time player to all of a sudden have that player have to pitch and field you know Tony La Russa would have a field day. I think uh, Oscar Colas would be in there every other day, probably <laughs> pitching. You know, an inning at a time. But yeah, I, I don't love that uh, in, in modern baseball. Like it, it would be great to see. It just it's so rare for that to be successful. I, I think if he comes over, I, I think that you know he won't pitch uh, as much at least. So yeah, thank you uh, for the email. And uh, moving on here, next one coming up is Mick Pete. This is a really weird one here, but I dig it. Uh, Mick Pete says, or is it MC Pete? It it looks like (laughs) Mick Pete, but it could be MC Pete. Um, (laughs) What's good, boys? I made a bet with my buddy Cornhole Carl uh, that I could eat 24 Big Macs in 24 hours. That's one Big Mac per hour if you... (laughs) If you blankety blanks are counting, the only rule is I can't take a rip off my four foot fungo bong before we play. No biggie. Anyway, enough with the funny business. Which socks, past, present, or future do you think could eat twenty four Big Macs in twenty four hours? I'd bet the house on Craig Graybeck. Talk soon, Mick Pete. This is just this is an out there email from our guy uh, Mick Pete. And now I know why he got has the the Mick. Uh, in McPeat moniker, it's clearly from eating tons of Big Macs. Um, I've never actually had a Big Mac, Herb. Uh, you know, I, I ate McDonald's two or three times this week. I was on a bit of a chicken nugget uh kick, but I've never actually had a Big Mac. Uh, your, your thoughts on a Big Mac, Herbie? They're <laughs> shitty,
0: it's, it's they're terrible. It's a fucking salad in a, in a bread, in bread, it's like forever bread. The bun is so small, I mean, the uh, meat is so small, they spread a bunch of it's like. I think it's Thousand Island dressing, secret sauce, whatever the fuck they call it, and a shitload of lettuce. And to do 24 in 24 hours would kill you because of all that goddamn bread you're going to be consuming. The three pieces of bread for every sandwich. And you're going to be so, so fucking full. I would say don't do it, firstly. Secondly, if you are going to do it, you can't take bonkets. Find some edibles, you know, stick it in before, so you can be high as shit at least three or four of those hours. <laughs> um, but um,
1: which Sox yeah. player? Which Sox player do you think you had eat twenty four Big Macs in twenty four hours?
0: Well, we did have some great big, huge players, but I think my guy Carlos Lee. You know, he started getting to the Carlos Lee that we thought he could be uh, when he. Uh, I think he's time with the Houston Astros. He's kind of a little bigger and round, still hitting the Cubs every time he saw him. But, yeah, I think Carlos Lee could take down 24 big backs in 24 hours. I just didn't want to go Juan Uribe because, you know, I think that's the common answer that everybody would have.
1: Yeah, Um I would go with one of the guys uh, you know it's always the in shape guy who can always handle mm. these type of challenges so I think Luis Robert could probably do it hell he could do anything oh yes <laughs> perfect like you know remember when remember it's, they said that about Moncada when he came to the states that all he would eat was Twinkies like these these guys when they come over they like to indulge in the most American shit ever and that's fast food so like a guy that wouldn't have to worry about putting on extra weight and he would just go and work out like a, a guy like uh, Luis Robert Robert, I think, could do it, uh, but you say Carlos Lee. I remember uh, another sort of—I'll uh, say Husky, because that's the, shep- the section that I shopped <laughs> in when I was a boy. Uh, uh, another Husky, Carlos, uh, Carlos Castillo, back in the day. Oh <laughs> yes,
0: wasn't he? Was he forty-three? Did we do we name an episode after Carlos Castillo? Um, he was a big inference.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, Carlos Castillo, his license plate for the. White Sox he of course the the uh, the photo that I, yeah he was number 43 for the Sox he was a, he was a, he, he was thick with uh, with 3 Cs but yeah uh, plenty of good camera. 108 thick with yes, 3 Cs exactly #108 thick uh yeah, so thank you, McPete, for the email. I couldn't do it personally. Um, I'm a big boy, but I'm not someone who like will pig out on one thing. I just have bad eating habits. But I don't know. I would, I couldn't eat something like that, like one thing over and over again. Like I don't know if I could do that. Like I don't even want to do the the calorie counting on just the bread alone, like you said. But uh, we appreciate you checking in, and good luck uh, to you and your buddy Cornhole Carl. And remember, um,
0: we told you not to do it. Don't
1: do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we do have a responsibility to the public to uh, to discourage you from doing that, uh, just for for your own personal safety. Um, uh, next one coming up here. Uh, he didn't clarify. Remember we, we talked about we talked uh, we read one of one of his emails last week, but uh, I think it's Dewey Jones. It's D O W Y Dewey. Uh, he asked this: If a trade were to happen involving the White Sox, who would you classify as an untouchable?
0: Have to pick one.
1: If there's multiples, tell me who your your untouchables no, are.
0: I I I'd say there's none. There are none. Yeah, there are zero. Like if there's a trade to be happening, there's no guy on the White Sox that I would deem untouchable. None. Absolutely none.
1: I thought Chris Sale um, was untouchable. Even,
0: even, he, yeah, and even Luis Robert would be the closest one that I would say to it. Yep. But if there's a player to be on the White Sox this year that we think is bet you know, better for this year than Luis Robert will be, whatever. I gotta, I gotta, gotta at least get into it. There's nobody untouchable on this team. I would say.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree because the, the right deal is the right deal. Certainly you wouldn't want to detract from your, your core that exists now. I think Luis Robert, if, if gun to my head, if you had to name one untouchable, I would say Luis Robert, but the thing that we hear working in the sports radio industry and being Sox fans forever, Jerry Reinsdorf said there's one untouchable player that he's ever seen, and blah, 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 blah and he wore number twenty three for the bulls. So you know, I, I think there is some truth to that. You know, any deal is a you know is worth looking at. You know, I thought Chris Sale was once an untouchable, and you saw the the return that uh, the stocks got back for him. So I think depending on the move, obviously you don't want to take away from the roster in your championship window, but you know, if you're a GM, you got to look at you got to take all phone calls, all emails, all zoom links. I think you have to be open to. I don't think there are any. But uh, Luis Robert being the closest thing to one, I think, a guy that can play the toughest outfield position uh, for the next decade, you know, and a guy you you invested so much money in. Like, I think that's a guy right there that's the closest thing to it. But I wouldn't even call him that. So, yeah, we appreciate your email, Uh, Dewey. And, yeah, I hope that answers your question. There are none. When you're in your world championship window, there are no untouchables. So uh, that's all I got for us today on this Talk to Us Tuesday edition of locked on socks and before we get out of here herbie I want to send you guys a reminder NBA seasons creeping up our guys uh, Jordan Malley Matt Peck on locked on Bulls doing a great job. The Locked On NBA podcast, though, is getting you ready for the start of regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. You mentioned Locked On Bulls. If you're a Bulls fan, odds are you are listening to this podcast. Check out our guys, Locked On Bulls, and subscribe today to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herbie, big week. Uh, The the rest of the week here finishing out – Tell us who we're going to talk to. Looks like it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday. Let's say tomorrow on Locked On White Sox, we got a special big time guest here who's talked to the who's who of the Hollywood elite. So we're gonna, he's gonna give us a few minutes of his time on this little old podcast because he's a White Sox fan. Tell the people who we're going to talk to.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk to host of Hot Ones, Sean Evans, and he's a White Sox fan, like Tanny said. I. Played some softball with him back before he was a big-time famous dude. Knew he was a White Sox fan there. And then been viewing his uh great, great – I think they just wrapped on the 13th season of that show. So he's been doing all those interviews, eating hot ass food that I can never eat. And not only just eating it, but the motherfuckers is just smoothly transitioning to the next question he's got to ask his guests. So Sean Evans will be on Locked on Sox. The next time you hear us, he'll be on asking, answering all your pressing questions, answering all of ours. We're not going to be asking, hey, you know, how was the sauce and <laughs> how was the scotch bonnet, things like that. We're going to be asking him actual White Sox questions. Why, how, all those good things and his best memories that you guys go through, too. And one thing I got to tell you, the guy is in New York right now, but he's dying to be back here in Chicago. So definitely tune in. To locked on socks the next couple of days, I'm very excited about this.
1: Me too, man. But that's all I got for you guys tonight. I want I want to ask. I'm going to ask Sean a little preview question here. I want to ask Sean what it was like to to sit across from Aubrey Plaza. Just one, just just to be in her presence, but also to have her snorting milk <laughs> to get to get to to calm down the heat in her nostrils. Like that was one of my favorite things. So We're going to ask him about that among other things. So I'm looking forward to that. But that's all I got for this talk to us Tuesday. Hopefully, as we record this on Sunday night, hopefully. There's so many moves to be made, and the White Sox have a new closer, and they've got a DH, and we have to like scrap all this stuff. Uh, But uh, I feel that's not going to be the case. But uh, hopefully, I'm speaking it to an existence right now, and all the stuff we talked about is all for naught.
0: Yep, me too. So that's Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Follow me at 23 on Twitter. And the show is at Locked On Socks. As we are in the Talk To Us Tuesday, if you want to participate in next week's Locked On Socks Mailbag Monday or Talk To Us Tuesday, send your email to socks at gmail.com. So, for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this Talk To Us Tuesday edition of Locked On Sox. All right. All right, good shit.